Text anytime on the Temper at Bedshed text 0487 736 736. Right across Western Australia, you're listening to the Run Home with Hayes and Mardo. Welcome back. Get involved. It is Trady Hour from Air Safety, Australian-owned workwear and PP provider. And we're joined now by Mark Duffy, who does a terrific job with Code Sports and SENWA Mornings back in 2024. We can't wait for that. Duff, welcome back to the show. How have you been? I'm all right. How are you guys? We're going well, mate. We love the AFL draft. Lots going on and plenty of picks in the first round. 29 picks. What did you make of that? I think it's a bit of a joke, isn't it? Mm. Like, you know, first round is supposed to be every club gets a pick. Best to pick 18. If you want to trade out, you trade out. But there's 18 picks in the first round. So I think it's um, become a bit of a hopeless joke. I think, it, I think that the AFL has been so focused on compromise to get outcomes. It's now just hopelessly compromised now, I think, on a lot of things. I think the draft is just one of them. I suspect they'll seek to address it a little bit over the next 12 months, but really, um, you know, I wrote a piece for Code this afternoon just contrasting Gold Coast, West Coast and North Melbourne and their outcomes of this draft and what West Coast might have had to do to get an outcome, which is basically cash in Harley Reid who's supposed to be the best number one draft pick in five to ten years. So, you know, why should West Coast in their situation have to give up that player to get more first-round draft picks when they're giving up picks to North Melbourne and Gold Coast like confetti? So there's obviously the academy picks and the father-sons, and the father-sons been around for a long time. But why do Queensland clubs and the New South Wales clubs get access to those players anywhere in the draft where all the other clubs have their next-generation academies but can't get access now until the pick 40? Well, I think this is one of the first things they need to address. And um, obviously this cost West Coast Lance Collard last night. It will probably cost Fremantle um, Mitch Edwards today with the mail that either St Kilda or Carlton will take him um, soon after the draft restarts in about half an hour's time. Um, so I think that's one of the first things they need to address, but it's only, you know, one of the, it's only one of the things they need to address, really. I think that father-sons, why, why should there be father-sons? And if there are father-sons, why is there this nominal number of games played which determines a player's relationship to a club and, and the worthiness of his done to continue the legacy with that club. You know, you take um, Darcy Moore, uh, Peter Moore won a Brownlow with both Collingwood and Melbourne. You take Travis Cloak, David Cloak won a premiership with Richmond, not Collingwood, um, and played more games for Richmond than he did for Collingwood. Um, you know, why does Collingwood get to get to harvest Travis Cloak, Jason Cloak and, um, and Cameron Cloak initially? Is The answer is because there's a silly bidding game that goes on. It's not about you know, the sentiment and the romance. It's about which clubs can game the system to get access to these players. And, and these father-son picks are still deciding premierships. You could argue that they decided the premiership this year. Mate, there's a um, great article. Argue, Sorry, keep going. You could argue that without the father-sons, there is no Geelong dynasty. Um, you know, given that two of those guys will be probably close to legends in the Hall of Fame and the other one will be a Hall of Famer. Um, Scarlett, Ablett and Hawkins. So I think that I think there's a lot of things the AFL is badly compromised in. 
Well, I want to go a bit further into that when it comes to the AFL and being compromised because in your Code Sports article, you spoke about a conversation you had years ago with the back then general manager of football operations in Ian Collins. And Collins, as you put it, replied bluntly that the league was not overly concerned about being fair. They just wanted the competition to be even. Now... I don't necessarily agree with it. I think you and I sit with a similar train of thought even when it comes to father-son. I know Hayes is opposed to it. He thinks it's a beautiful part of the game. I don't see that it's fair or even. And in this case, when I'm looking at what's happened with West Coast Eagles, they finished last. Yes, they get Harley Reid, but we don't see them getting any other selections until much, much later in the draft. How is that even when you look at Gold Coast, who now have 11 top 10 picks on their list, and North Melbourne, who you've also mentioned, have nine top 10 picks to me, it's not fair or even whatsoever. So if West Coast gets the, the concession package that North Melbourne gets, West Coast, at the bare minimum, probably has Colton Folstrop and Lance Collard on their list today. Mm. Maybe not Daniel Curtin, because that trade was going to be a difficult one to do, given how easily Adelaide would, were able to do the trade. But West Coast tried to re-enter the draft three times last night, and they simply didn't have the 2023 collateral to get it done. The only way they were going to have the 2023 collateral is they cashed in the number one pick and got multiple picks. Now, if they do that, and in five years' time, Harley Reid turns out to be Gary Ablett Jr., we're all saying, what a bunch of deals. Why did they cash in that pick? Um, I think if you're going to do it for one, you have to do it for, for, for everyone. If, if, if North Melbourne was so bad that they required that draft concession package, well, West Coast were even worse and have been as bad as North Melbourne have been for the last two seasons. How long do West Coast have to be bad before they get treated as a, as a club that needs help? And, um, you know, and I'm not suggesting that West Coast should get help now. I'm probably suggesting more that North Melbourne shouldn't and that West Coast should have been able to take their second pick somewhere closer to 20 than 30 uh, and got a better player for their second pick instead of waiting to... You know, having to pick the the dregs over the draft. We're halfway through this draft, guys. Mm. It's probably going to be about sixty kids pick. We're up to pick thirty now, and that, and this is West Coast's second pick after finishing last with a percentage of fifty three. Well, you mentioned they didn't get any AFL assistance, but they didn't ask for it. North Melbourne did. You'd think that, in hindsight, West Coast made a mistake. I I respect that they're not asking for a handout, but the rules are the rules, and they're there to be exploited. It seems, and North Melbourne have taken advantage of them. They weren't going to get it. The, the reason why they didn't ask is they knew that they weren't going to get it. They, they, they have a clear understanding of when the AFL is and isn't going to hand out packages. And West Coast knew that they weren't going to be deemed eligible this year. That's why they didn't ask. And they knew that it was going to be a bad look for them asking as a rich and powerful club that has won a flag in 2018. But just to go back to 2018, North Melbourne finished ninth in 2018. And if you want to add up, you know, what a hard time North Melbourne has, has had over the last, say, 15 years, compare how many times North Melbourne's been in the, in the finals compared to, say, Fremantle. Now, I haven't actually counted it up, but I suspect it's probably a similar number or North Melbourne may be in front. And they had some good uh, so preliminary finals too that they played in through that period under Brad Scott. So where's, where's Fremantle's concession package? You know, they haven't won a flag yet. They desperately need to win a flag to compete in a market against a giant like West Coast. If, the, if we're about the greater good here and the, and the bigger picture, where's Fremantle's concession package? I, th- I think that 
the two WA clubs have to get their heads together in this and make a very loud noise. And I think they should be getting the South Australian clubs involved as well. These academies are now a massive issue and they're a massive com- competitive advantage for the Northern clubs. And there's always that built-in Victorian bias that happens, you know, that, and has always happened with the AFL. Um, and continues to happen now. You know, it even happened in the finals this year. <laughs> the AFL gave GWS a four-day turnaround between plane flights between their semi-final and the preliminary final against Collingwood. Can you imagine that happening to a Victorian club? No. Nope. There's, all, there's all these things that are built in that work against the non-Victorian clubs from the established football states, and they they add up to competitive disadvantage. And if you work at a competitive disadvantage, you fail. It's as simple as that. Mark Duffy is a uh, legend. Finally, someone speaks the truth. That is from Leon from Hocking sending that through. Keep it going, Duff. We like this. But did West Coast offer enough? I know their first pick next year was on the table. I always thought for a deal to be done, they had to get that club back in on the action. And do you know if pick 29 or pick 30 was on the table to allow that to happen and give themselves the best chance of taking Dan Curtin? The big problem was, was that GWS wanted to stay in the 2023 draft. And Adelaide had two picks inside 20 to give them. And West Coast had nothing. So West Coast, all West Coast had to give them basically was their 2024 pick, which, you know, I think when we look at West Coast list, unless they get much better physical durability outcomes from the likes of McGovern, Yo, Sheed, Darling, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, they're probably going to be bottom four. So that's going to be a really good pick. But having said that, if somehow they do the dead cat bounce and McGovern plays 15 and Yo plays 15 and, and Darling kicks 35 goals, um, you know, just one last yelp, then they might win seven or eight games and they might finish, you know, 14th or 15th and, and then suddenly that pick starts to drift, particularly if there's more academy picks um, early in the draft next year, which we have to say, based on recent seasons, mm. there's highly likely to be. Um, guys... Damien Hardwick succeeds at Gold Coast. He's going to be regarded as a coaching legend. Look at what he's been given. Yeah. He's been given 11 top 10 picks. Look at what Alistair Clarkson's been given at North Melbourne. I'd, I'd put it to you, if Daniel G and Syracuse was coaching North Melbourne, would they have been able to extract those sort of concessions out of the AFL? Unlikely. So... This is the problem where the AFL is hopelessly compromised. These big personalities, these big reputations. Um, really, Hardwick will have failed if Gold Coast isn't playing finals next year. Because look at that list. Like, let's not forget, these aren't kids anymore. Matt Rowell's the same age as Caleb Sarong. Caleb Sarong was an All-Australian this year. So their, their stars should be... They should have been playing finals by now. They haven't been. Um, these great coaches have been given these great lists, the inevitable result should be absolute success. And for every bit of success that they achieve, some other club isn't able to. Mm. I think this is going to, I think there's going to be a louder noise coming about this in the next 12 months, particularly from the clubs in Western Australia and South Australia. I really do. Do you know if um, I think they're sick and tired of... Sorry? Do you know if Fremantle made a play at any point to try and get up the draft and have a crack at somebody like a Dan Curtin or somebody else, perhaps? Yes, they did. It wasn't so much Curtin because they didn't think they could do it. It was Stolstrop. They tried to get back in to get Stolstrop. And, again, same problem for them as there was for West Coast. They were trying to trade with clubs who wanted to stay 
in the 2023 draft and, and Fremantle didn't have any 2023 collateral to give them. So what's next? So, uh, We've got um, the West Coast Eagles. They've got the first pick, pick number 30. It's not too far away. Where do you think they'll be heading towards? I don't know. I've asked two of them, and they've, they are taking the pick. It's not going to be traded, they said. And um, I've asked them, given that no one can pick before them, who they might be likely to take, and they're not telling. So um, <laughs> we'll have to wait until 4 o'clock until, until we get the answer to that. I do know that the, there's late mail out that St Kilda and Carlton are very interested in Mitch Edwards. So if Fremantle's hoping for him to get into the late 30s where they have that first pick or even to 40 where they'd be able to match a bid for him, I think that's probably more hopeful than realistic. So, um, but uh, yeah, uh, West Coast, right, look, they've got, if you look at what they've got, um, they've got Oscar Allen, they've got the 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 bedrock foundations, if you like, of a, of a very young but very promising midfield. Um, and they've still got McGovern and Barris and they've got... Um, Brett Bazo emerging down the other end. Someone, they might look at someone like a Zane Zakostelsky, for example, if they were going to go local from the, the Claremont boy who was best on ground in the Colts grand final. He might be one that they would take a look at. Um, but once you get to pick 30, it's a pretty broad field, isn't it? And it's, it's a, it becomes a bit of a guessing game. And uh, um, I'm sure West Coast would have loved that pick, the one they're taking in a few minutes' time, to have been pick 19, not pick 30. Mitch Edwards, Clay Hall, Ollie Murphy, Archie Reed, some of the other names. Colin Sanchez is still there. Aiden O'Driscoll. Do you think there's a chance that we could see another O'Driscoll at the Fremantle Dockers? Yeah, I do. I think there's a chance. The, the mail is, is that, um, just on Colin Sanchez, the, the mail is that the AFL clubs have cooled a bit on Sanchez. So he's, a half, he's half a chance to slide through. Um, West Coast have been linked to Archie Reed, so he's one they may look at. He's obviously the, the brother of the Essendon boy, Zach Reed, so that that might be um, a name that gets read out um, in a few minutes' time. Um, O'Driscoll, yeah, I think he's a chance. I think um, Zach Ostelsky should get drafted. Clay Hall, you would think, gets drafted somewhere. I, I heard Geelong was interested. I think Fremantle would have watched him play a lot, so they would be interested. I've heard Fremantle have interest in the uh, Werribee boy, Sean Manor, and also the other Werribee boy, Sam Cloacy. Um, they did a lot of work on those two boys, I believe, and they're still on the table. Obviously, they played footy under Michael Barlow this year, and uh, he has recommended them very highly and very strongly. So um, they're ones to, to look out for. Um, the WA Football Commission thinks somewhere between 9 and 12 West Australians by the time this whole process is finished. Sean Manor, 175 centimetres, 32 goals, 26 years of age, so he's a mature age recruit, 28 disposals, six goals in the grand final. We've had a text come through, boys. Well said, Duff. The issue is the AFL need to make a national comp that ensures the grassroots are considered. That's from Darren. Now, they're floating the idea of a national a national comp that's the second division. Where would you stand on that if the Waffle was to join Sanford, Queensland, New South Wales, Victoria? Would you like to see a second-tier national comp? I'd just rather see the AFL tip the money into clubs like the Waffle and the Sandful to competitions like that so that they can be the competitions they can actually be. And then they become really good breeding grounds with a point of difference, which rounds out the education of young footballers. I think that's a point of difference that can actually work to the advantage of Western Australia and South Australia, provided they're resourced properly 
and the AFL is prepared to tip in the funding. We, we tend to regard the AFL as the absolute ultimate authority on these things, but let's not forget the AFL made an absolutely mess of footy in Tasmania. And now they're rushing to get an AFL team in there because of the diabolical situation they created there where, and Marto, you'd be happy about this, basketball absolutely overran football mm. as the sport of choice in Tasmania under the AFL's watch. So I, I would like to see the AFL resource our local bodies and our local competitions to be the competitions they can be. And then I think you'll start to see us produce the sort of um, draft results and the numbers and the quality of player that might actually help our clubs um, wipe away some of this competitive disadvantage that they're working under at the moment. Good on you, Duff. We hear your passion. Fire it up and we love to see it. Thanks for your time. I'll go and have a good lie down now, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Duffield there. He's passionate, and rightly so. He cares about our two clubs over here. And it was a joke last night, and the access to players through these academies for a few teams and not the others, where the WA clubs and the South Australian and the Victorian clubs, for that matter, they put a lot of work into their academies. And if they're top end, it's almost like you get punished for them being too good. You don't want them to be inside the top 40. You want them to fall outside of that, so you get a crack at it. There's compromise everywhere, but we'd love to get your thoughts and we've had a few come through, but you can join in any time on the Temperate Bedshed text machine 0487 736 736 or call the Kia open line 13 12 55 for Kia. Morley Kia, get more.